Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. An Honest Liar is a feature documentary about truth and deception and the life of the world-famous magician, escape artist, and master skeptic. That would be James, the amazing Randy. The film brings to life Randy's intricate investigations that publicly exposed psychics, faith healers, and con artists with a with quasi-religious fervor. A master deceiver who came out of the closet at the age of 81, Randy created a fictional character's fake psychics, and even turned his partner of 25 years, artist Jose Alvarez, into a sham guru called named Carlos. We are joined today by the subject of this wonderful documentary called An Honest Liar, and that would be Mr. Randy. Randy, welcome to film school. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. You couldn't figure out who I was. No, I was just gonna. There? I wasn't gonna say, sir. We were just joking before we came on the air. Randy, thank you so much for being here on Film School. Oh, it's a great pleasure. Of course, I I seldom get on with film schools. I must say, but uh, <laughs> it's it's a bit of a novelty for me. But you know, there's not much film being used at the moment. I believe, and that's I, I don't true. think film is much in use anyway. You see, that that stuff that it's a long strip with little holes along the edge. Yes, and uh, <laughs> this is something you have to, to teach everybody about in the modern generation because they've never heard of film. I know there's this huge battle in in uh, Hollywood over just even having having movies made using film at all anymore. Film stock is very, very expensive and hard to find, and uh, there's some filmmakers who have just been, some big filmmakers like Martin Scorsese and, and others who have been fighting to hold on to the idea of actually using film to make films. So, yes, you're wow. absolutely right. Yeah, yeah, big deal. Uh, yeah. It, well, listen, I want to, again, thank you for uh, being here on the show as well as uh, opening up your life Um to the filmmakers, and we'll just name uh, the the two, the co-directors, Justin Weinstein and Tyler Meesum, who um, yes. put together this film. Um, what When they approached you, um, and I don't know how long ago they approached you, but what, what were your feelings when you when they suggested that this uh, that they'd like to do a film on you and your life and your reaction to that? Well, I asked them for some references, and uh, they certainly supplied plenty of those. Uh, my references, I meant I wanted to see some of the work they had actually done. Mm -hmm. And uh, both of them provided uh, Sons of Perdition, uh, for one thing. Uh, that <laughs> That is a film that, that blew me away altogether. I was just astonished at how well they had covered it. And uh, they also gave me all the updates on Sons of Perdition. Uh, the what has happened to the boys that were released from this sect mm -hmm. uh, since uh, they made the film. And uh, it, it's an ongoing drama. It'll go on for the rest of the boys' lives, of course. Mm -hmm. But uh, the work that they turned out was just uh, astonishing. Very good. Well, and But, yeah, Justin Weinstein and, and also Tyler Meesum, um, they, again, the body of work is wonderful. Uh, Justin had been, uh, he'd wrote and edited a uh, Being Elmo, a, doc a documentary. Uh, oh, yes, which yes. Was terrific. Oh, very powerful film. And, and also, as you mentioned, Tyler was responsible for a documentary film called Sons of Perdition. And, uh, yes. Yeah, so obviously great resume. But in terms of someone who uh, has devoted much of his life to 
uh, being a skeptic, how hard was it for you to to kind of allow them because they have uh, what seems to be unfettered access to your home and to your life? Uh, did it take a little bit to get past the trepidation you might have had, or did you have any once you said go it? Let's well, go for it. Or I, I had to make up my mind that I was going to trust them or not trust them. That's right. all there is to it. Yeah. And uh, the agreement we made was warts and all, and uh, the. Uh, part of the film, but we won't, don't want to give too away much. too much yes, about it. Yes. But there's a confrontation between us uh, uh, during the film, and uh, I must say that following that, uh, the time of that confrontation here at my home, mm-hmm. uh, I actually within, it was within hours that I called them and said, "No, no, no, uh, it was warts and all. Let's do it." Mm-hmm. And uh, that was the. Uh, decision I made, and that's what we uh, what we performed. Yeah. Now, we're going to go back and talk about your career. I, a lot of people, uh, well, it's just for anyone who may know you and know your work, that's fantastic, but some who may not, uh, your career as a magician uh, goes back, and uh, that's just one of your many hats, but goes back over 50 years. Talk talk to our audience a little bit about uh, your, your, a little bit about your upbringing and what drove you to want to become a, a, a magician, a, an illusionist, an escape artist, and, uh, and a little bit about your career. Well, it's a bit of a rarefied story in a way, because uh, I was one of those uh, rare critters as a young child. I was deemed to be a child prodigy. Don't accept that terminology for anyone uh, in your care, I can assure you. Uh, it's it's full of uh, pitfalls. Uh, it was not a happy time for me at all. I was allowed to stay out of uh, grade school, essentially. All I had to do was go in periodically and write the tests and such, because I was falling asleep in school all the time. And uh, uh, this, this is no, uh, I'm not taking any great credit for this at all. It's just the way it was. I, I was a bit advanced for my age. Well, considerably advanced for my age, and they allowed me to stay out of grade school. I, I took the opportunity of going to high school. I was raised, born and raised in Canada, by the way. Um, and uh, I, I, I found that uh, once I was in school, I was the, the fish out of water, the typical fish out of water. I just didn't know how to behave myself around my, my peer groups. But uh, at the same time, I had learned a, a great deal. I was freed up during the day and in my grade school days, and uh, that, that gave me a perspective, again, an unhappy perspective uh, to a certain extent, mm-hmm. uh, about how the, the real world worked. And uh, I, I grew up rather withdrawn and uh, rather alienated from the rest of the society around me. Well, what was it then that pushed you to, well, what, where did your interest come from to be a magician, escape artist? I, I mean, Houdini obviously... Uh, I'm sure cast a, a, a large, a long shadow over uh, people who are interested in this in this kind of thing. It tell us a little bit about your inspiration to get into what you did. Well, I had the opportunity during my freedom in uh, in grade school days to go to the theater, and uh, almost only on Wednesdays because I had a Wednesday afternoon matinee at the Casino Theater on Queen Street. You see, and. Uh, they showed a film, and they had a show. And lo and behold, the show they had on when I chose to go, it cost me 14 cents. I'll never forget that. <laughs> I mean, you know, heavy money. And um, it was Harry Blackstone Sr. Now, Harry Blackstone Sr. was the uh, 
the, the, the doyen. He was the example to, to everyone in the world at that moment, particularly in Canada and the United States of America, because he, he really never went abroad. Hmm. He didn't gain any reputation abroad at all. But Harry Blackstone uh, walked out on that stage. <laughs> he did things that I didn't understand at all, of course. He was a magician, after all. And uh, let's get some terminology straight. Mm-hmm. He is more a conjurer. Uh, that's a better word that I rather prefer to use in in uh, my speech about these things. A mm-hmm. uh, conjurer uh, means a person who approximates the effect of a magician. A magician would be somebody, you see by definition, who does real magic. Uh, I don't believe there is any such thing. I'm willing to be shown to the contrary, mm-hmm. of course, and have been all of my life. But... Um, I use the term conjurer whenever I can. It's uh, it's a UK usage, and I rather prefer it. Mm-hmm. So uh, it, these are little asides that I have to sort of drop in, so that you begin to understand a little bit of uh, the way I speak about these things. Mm-hmm. Okay, so uh, you've seen you see Harry Blackstone, the senior. Uh, I I remember yeah. his son followed in his footsteps if i'm not mistaken that's right i knew him from that's american right. television so and he was celebrated as i was as i was growing up i remember seeing him on a lot of the kind of steve allen kind of shows and enjoyed always oh, yes. enjoyed him very oh, yes. affable man very very uh, wonderful personality very much of a performer but so you knew of his father you saw his father perform was it at that point that you felt this is something i want to i want to get into or what at what point well, did you decide well quite frankly i must Let's tell you that I wanted to be an archaeologist okay. or a chemist. I, I was torn between the two professions uh, and still very much interested in archaeology. Uh, and uh, the, the decision was, was broken at that moment as I sat in the first balcony of the Casino Theatre on Queen Street in Toronto, Canada. All those years ago, when I saw the, the levitation of Princess Azra, oh my, that that. That made up my mind for me. I, I rather <laughs> abandon all hopes of chemistry and archaeology at that time. Now, maybe that means that chemistry and archaeology uh, lost uh, yes. a personality that they might have uh, been able to use to, to good advantage. I'm not sure of that. But I, I think the field of skepticism certainly gained one. And I made a fair reputation for myself almost immediately as a magician as well, because I took it very seriously. And with the inspiration provided by Harry Blackstone Sr., I soared ahead and joined all the magic clubs and learned everything I could and had very good teachers, I must say. Yeah, and this is a tradition uh, from... From uh, I interviewed the directors of the uh, the film on Ricky Jay a few years ago, oh, yeah. and what what was struck me about their film uh, was how much of a oral tradition, a t- sort of a mentoring tradition that you find in the world of conjuring and escape artists, the different all the different things that uh, different phases of what I think broadly would be called magic by most people. Um, yep. th- and and is that was that the case with you? Did you have a mentor, um, or how did it work for you? Well, a mentor. My mentor was somebody that uh, you would certainly never have heard of, Harry Smith. Harry Smith was the proprietor of the Arcade Magic and Novelty Store in Toronto, Canada, and uh, on Adelaide Street West, as I remember. And I must say that. Uh, Harry was a great inspiration for me. He was an acerbic uh, elderly gentleman who didn't take uh, 
uh, kids very easily, but uh, he, he sort of cottoned to me, and he figured that maybe I had some talent, and I began to hang out around the shop, and I made a lot of friends in the magic profession, uh, as uh, amateurs as well, because many of the magicians that exist today uh, and are very, very accomplished in their fields are amateurs. Uh, they seldom give actual performances, but uh, oh, so many of my friends over the years have been very advanced amateurs, and, and I think that's the same with almost all professions, uh, but it certainly is in magic, and I learned a great deal from them. They sort of took me under their wing. I was a skinny little kid, and uh, they uh, some of them appreciated my, my, uh, my budding talent and uh, helped me a great deal. Yeah, and, and one of the things about the film, An Honest Liar, which, uh, by the way, opens, I believe, next week, next uh, next uh, Friday, March 6th, at the uh, New Art Theater, so we want to let people know uh, about that. Uh, are you, by any chance, are you in, are going to be in Los Angeles for the opening, or are you, are you going to, are you plans to be out here, or? Uh, I have to look at my schedule, to tell you the truth. Oh, okay. I've well, got a, quite a complicated uh, schedule. I've got a run all over the uh, the country. Uh, my partner, Davey, and, and I will be, uh, uh, who are both featured in the film, yes. uh, we will have to be running all over the country. <laughs> and, uh, a bit of an adventure. I, I don't have the, the schedule right in front of me at the moment, oh, no, but uh, certainly I'm, I'm sure that we're in Los Angeles at some point. Oh, well, I'll let our people, I'll let my audience know uh, if that's the case next week at the New Art. Please do. Yeah, I will. Uh, the film is uh, An Honest Liar, and it is award-winning let's already just say that because it's been at a number of film festivals already um i'm just i think i know the answer uh but i'll ask you uh have you been you were happy with the with the way the film turned out uh, not happy i was ecstatic and <laughs> hysterical as a matter of fact <laughs> yes no every place that i have been uh, every place that, that davy and i have been that is uh it was just uh as soon as the Q&A period came up afterwards, we were both there in person to answer questions and and give suggestions and whatnot and uh, delve into the story a little deeper when asked. Um, the, our reaction was, was, was just, uh, the audience's reaction, I should say, it was just so strong, uh, so enthusiastic and such, uh, that it overcame me. Uh, I have never been associated with a project uh, that had such wide appeal and public approval. And uh, so many people told me that they they went into it not knowing what they were going to see. And they were quite quite surprised, and that I had by means of that film, if not by means of the work that I had already done in the field, that I had actually made a great change in their lives. And that's something that you you can't buy, you know, Mike. Yeah. It's something that, um, well, it's it's a compliment that uh, you've got to take seriously, and that sort of uh, calms you down a little bit. At the same time, it, it gives you uh, an alert that what you're doing is quite important yeah. uh, to a lot of people, and you've got to continue on with it. And you've got to give them the best you can. Yeah, and the reason I asked that question is you gave me that answer, which is uh, I knew you liked the film. I mean, I assumed you you were happy with it, but just the reaction. I and uh, I was just wondering if, as you said, you know, sort of the reaction of people to it uh, tells a lot about um, the impact you you you're having through your film, as well as perceptions that I think a lot of people in the film. I don't, I don't want to give away too much of the film, but let's just say. 
uh, that the that James the Amazing Randy has been one of the most important debunkers, skeptics uh, for uh, for people who have been taken, who have been swindled by all kinds of charlatans. And I think seeing this and seeing the sort of the arc of your story and understanding the context of the of these the way that people get away with these things is important. It's a very important thing for people to understand. Uh, that not everything is as as it seems, and so for someone like yourself who knows the the ins and outs of conjuring and escape artists and the rest of it, to be able to say to pull the curtain back and say no, 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 this is not right. I, I just my hats off to you. Just not only as someone who enjoyed your film, but as just a, a fellow citizen of planet Earth, for people like yourself with the credibility to step forward and do this, it's an important thing that you've been doing with your life. So. Michael, let's tell you another thing, just briefly. I don't accept the term debunker. Okay. Uh, I'm not a debunker. I'm an investigator. Now, if it turns into debunking, that's a different matter altogether. And usually it does, if I bother with it at all. So I'm not a debunker because that would imply that I go into it saying, this is not true, and I'm going to show you that it's not true. No, I can't afford that. I go into it saying, well, I just don't know, do I? Let's find out. Right. Well, and that's, I guess, the definition of skeptic or skepticism and skeptic. Exactly. It's the definition of what a skeptic should be. Yeah. Yeah. And again, I, I, I know you you must be very proud of your work. Uh, 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 Michael Shermer has been on as well. And uh, I think the work that the that organizations like the Skeptic Society do, uh, it just goes such a long ways towards just clearing the air, to, to pulling, as I said, pulling back the curtain. So we we all have an understanding. We're all working off, off of the basic, the same basic information. And uh, I, I, I want to congratulate you for your work in that, in that area. And I should say also that we don't reveal the secrets of the magicians. Those secrets no. are theirs yeah. because that's how they make their living. And actors, all actors, including magicians, uh, do it exactly that way. We've all got uh, tricks of the trade, secrets of the trade, and we preserve those in order to preserve the illusion. But you should know that when someone walks on stage and says, Good evening, uh, stand up and uh, say your piece, if you wish, uh, if, if it's called for. But uh, re- uh, accept these people as actors. Yeah. We magicians are actors playing the part of sorcerers. Well, and, and and particularly in the area of these these religious faith healing oh, yes. people, and oh, yes. and, there, and it's a section of the film. Yes. Yeah, I, I think you know it's not just that people. It's it's so much. People invest so much of their psychological energy and all of and their money and and their faith in human beings That's right. in the hands they put it in the hands of these people who are shamelessly uh, um, t- uh, ripping them off and destroying, in some ways, probably destroying their faith in other people. And it just, it's its awful. It's an awful thing. And I'm so glad, again, we see not just that part. We see the entire arc of, of your career and also a, a tremendous uh, insight into you as a person and, your, and as well as your personal life. And it's a really beautifully done documentary, uh, Randy and well, thank you, yeah. thank you. I'm, I'm glad you're pleased by it, and mm. I hope that uh, the rest of the audience that will go out to see the film will be equally pleased. Yeah, I, I'm going to. You know, the film is called An Honest Liar, and it's you can find out more at anhonestliar.com. That's uh, the, the website for it. And as I said, the New Art Theater on March 6th it'll be opening, 
and hopefully uh, we'll see you in town for it as well. And um, I, again, I I know of I've known of you, and when this project uh, came to me, and I I'm so happy to be able to uh, to have an opportunity to talk to you, and to also to thank you for for a, a long and illustrious career, and you continue to be a vibrant vibrant. Uh, spokesperson for for the things that uh, we all should care about, and I, I appreciate that. Thank you. Well, thank you for asking me on, Mark, and uh, let's do it again. Okay. Oh, definitely. And uh, again, um, I know that in, there's a part of this film about uh, your uh, about your life with uh, was well, Jose now, uh, David. David. Uh, yeah, uh, and um, I hope that that continues to flourish as well. So, thank well. Thank you. Well, I guarantee you. Thank you. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio.